Hi everyone, welcome to Let's Talk with Teresa Ann. I am your host and so grateful that you're joining me on today's Flipping the Script Monday. If you're joining me on YouTube today, just know you will actually see a video, but you will hear the audio. If you're listening via podcast, thank you again for joining me on today's Flipping the Script Monday. Okay, so what are we going to talk about today? Well, there's several things that I have just, I'm just in awe of God even more. It's like I cannot wait to share this with you. So if you can hear it in my voice, my body is being convinced, slowly but surely, that it is healed. It hasn't caught up to the truth yet, but it will. So with that, I wanted to share something with you that I got last night and I was just like, oh my God. And of course I got it like really late at night. We know that fasting and praying, it gets something out of us. It gets unbelief out to where now we can align ourselves with Almighty God to believe Him for who He really is. So often we're looking and waiting for signs, wonders, and miracles to take place. But really, the signs, wonders, and miracles are are waiting on us. And what do I mean by that? Well, in Mark chapter 16, he says that the signs, wonders, and miracles will follow those who do something. Signs, wonders, and miracles follow those who believe. It's crazy. It's waiting on us. Yet we're waiting on those things to take place. We're chasing those things when really they're like, would you just believe and we'll follow you? And I just was just so enamored by this truth that it led me to this revelation that God gave me back in 2009. But you know, when God gives us a revelation, we are we're not coming into the fullness of it within our soul. But we're actually walking with him as he's within us to see it unfold. And 10 years later, to grasp this newness of what he gave me 10 years ago is just crazy. So I wanted to share this with you that here's the powerful part of his redemption is he restores us to our original value. Now, I'm going to kind of go everywhere today, but there's there's a reason. So let's just take one nail and let's hammer it right now to the wall, so to speak. And let's just remember this one. When someone freaks out on you or is disgruntled or even spreads rumors about you. What you have to see, what I have to see, what I have to remember is that they don't know their identity. They are actually having an identity crisis. So for us to react to how they are acting, 
is absolutely foolish on our part. Here's why. Because if we are to do this life as Christ lives in us, then why are we trying to do this life with Christ by our side when really we're supposed to be stepping into Him so that He will flow through us? So it's not just even about imitating Christ. It's about becoming Christ. It's about being in Him. Not just doing life with Him. Because that's the difference between a life of commitment and a life of surrender. A life of commitment says, well, I will commit as I can. These are my guidelines of commitment. This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. But surrender is full abandonment. It's, I'm dying to myself. I'm taking up this cross. And I'm following after you, Jesus, who is love. He constantly said, I only do as my father does. Well, what is his father? His father is what? Love. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. It never fails. God never fails. God doesn't keep records of wrongs. And let me tell you, my friend, he doesn't keep records of what he's done right either. Where am I going with that? Have you ever said this? I cannot believe they did this to me. I've done this for them. I've done that for them. I did this for them. And this is how I get repaid? That's not love. I know it sucks because I've been there and I've done that. But operating from that place of the flesh of conditions, it zaps the life out of you. It makes you look inward. It makes you an inward in not a good way. But inward as in look at me, self-pity, I am so, I am the martyr yet again. No, that's not the life we've been called to. It is depressing and it is not God. And the more self-involved we get, the more we can only see us and what we want. We start praying prayers that are so self-induced and so selfish. I'm really talking to myself, okay? But it's like, it's about time that I start realizing, as Dan Moeller says, that it's not about me accepting Jesus as Savior to go to heaven. It's about heaven getting into me so that I can be the light within this world that no matter the darkness, I'm shining. Because that's all the light knows how to do. The light doesn't know to talk about the darkness. It just is the light. But again, it goes back to identity. And with identity, you've got to be intimate with the one who has given you your identity. Outside of that, all we're doing is we're becoming chameleons to whatever our situation is, is what we become. So if they're mean, then we're mean back. If they sue us, we sue them back. If they do this, we do that back. If they love us, we love them back. 
If they hate us, well, guess what? You're lucky I'm a Christian. I mean, this this is not... That can't be the life that Jesus died for. I, I know it's not. He is so good. And it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. It leads us to transformation. It leads us to a life of change for his glory. To point others back to him. Let's think about this. Why would I live a life constantly offended? Because it's about me. But if me was co-crucified with Christ, then it isn't about me anymore. It's about the one who sent Jesus to pay the ransom for our sin, to remove the yoke of bondage, and to remove the burden. So he replaces the yoke of bondage and he removes the burden that is so heavy and he replaces it with his yoke that is easy and his burden that is light. How can that be? How can a yoke be easy and a burden be light? Because we are no longer carrying anything. It's him carrying us. It's him living in us truth is his truth and it's up to us to come in line with that truth this isn't a conditional promise of well sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't it is always working it's are we going to allow it to work through us and in us that's that's the stipulation there that's the condition so I want to go back to that revelation I got back in 2009 from Mark 9. I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. Now, if that isn't a wishy-washy statement, right? Which we all do this. However, I catch myself saying the same thing even today. I do believe, but help me, God, with my unbelief. Unbelief is simply the opposite of belief. It's logical, yet I struggle with believing in the Lord so often. I don't struggle with believing who he is. I struggle with believing in him for situations in my life. I read Mark 9, 14 through 29. I was reminded of what the antidote is to unbelief. It's prayer and fasting. I remember reading Mark 9 many times over and had always thought that it was the kind of demon possession that this boy dealt with that could only be cast out by prayer and fasting. However, the Holy Spirit had me pause. And when I read the passages again, I realized that Jesus rebuked the disciples and the people for their unbelief. And it's echoed throughout scripture. 
the people were puzzled as to why the disciples could not cast out the demons that possessed that boy. Immediately, Jesus said, you faithless people, how long must I be with you until you believe? Bring the boy to me. As I read this, I catch a glimpse of the divine frustration of Jesus because of unbelief. Secondly, when Jesus asked the father how long the boy had been possessed, the father revealed that it was since he was small. He explained to Jesus what his son had endured as the demons would not allow the boy to speak and the things that his boy had to go through, being thrown into the fire and into the water as the evil spirits would try to kill him. The father just pled with Jesus and he said, have mercy on us and help us. Do something if you can. Then Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly responds to Jesus. I do believe but help me not to doubt. Jesus then identifies the spirits by name and by the authority that God gave Jesus. Because he believed his father, he was able to say with belief, spirit of deafness and muteness, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Can you imagine the amazement by this miracle? Jesus' authority to speak and the word and the demons had to obey. The evil spirits left the boy as the boy lay there lifeless. Imagine this scene. Perhaps the people were shocked by the unfolding drama as they most likely presume he's dead. Yet the scene goes from heaviness to I'm sure this unexplained joy. As Jesus takes the boy by the hand and lifts him to his feet. Yet what I find interesting is that you don't see any mention of their awe. Instead, it's the disciples asking, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirits? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer and fasting. So what is this kind? What does this kind mean? So often we liken it to what's well, the demons of deaf and muteness or whatever other demon is at work. But he's not addressing that. He's addressing the power of unbelief. This is why we must praise. This is why we must worship because as a daughter and as a son of the Most High God, we cannot do anything without Him. And with, if our gaze is not continuously on who He is, we will be moved by what we see. 
And you can't say that when you see someone being thrown into the fire and thrown into the water that you will not be moved if your gaze is not set on Almighty God. Being that we are driven by our five senses, perhaps the sense of sight would undoubtedly be an issue with believing that the boy could be healed. This is why it's so important to be intimate with, the, with God at all times. As I'm reminded by this story, I see more clearly that many times I am moved by my emotions and fears of the what if. Those emotions are not of God. Those emotions were created from my past experiences. They're not pure. It's all based on self. I need, need, need. I tell you I love you because I need you to love me. Those are not emotions of God. His emotions are all based on love. No matter what you do, I'm I'm not mad at you. I'm mad about you. I'm not hurt by you. I hurt for you. I'm not disappointed in you. I'm waiting to anoint you. This is our God. But our emotions and fears, if we are led by them, we will immediately go down the slope, the slippery, we will immediately go down the slippery slope of doubt and unbelief. So if I must, then the prayer and fasting for the unbelief to leave is what needs to be done. Fasting is a challenge in and of itself, of course. You can't depend on your flesh. We get to depend on the Holy Spirit who lives within us to be obedient. I get to remember that moment by moment, unbelief is a hindrance to the unknown possibilities of what God wants to reveal about himself and what he ultimately has in store for us. But if we let unbelief lead us, we will always say that, oh, well, it was his will. It is what it is. Whatever will be, will be. That is not of God. That is demonic and it is not of Jesus. The world is decaying. And the only way, the only way we can allow to see the world be changed. Yes, it does say in his word that it will get worse. But it also says that he said, please be the light. Please be the salt. Because the salt of the earth is what prevents the decay. The light is what exposes the darkness. And it's the goodness of God through us that leads people to transformation. And sometimes, and most of the time, we get to be the ones to sow where we may not see the transforming power of God on their lives. But it doesn't matter if we see it or not. We can never say, well, I tried. It didn't work. No, we can say, Lord, I did my part. And I thank you, Lord, that your work, you will make sure you complete what you started. Because this isn't about me. This is about you. And whether or not I get to see it on this side of eternity, 
Let me tell you, I believe you, God, over what I'm seeing right now. And so I also wanted to share this with you today before we go. That this goodness, it, it just captures my heart. It's to thank God for his redeeming power, his power that restores us to our original value. A new creation as old things have passed away, have, having nothing in common with the old because the blood of Jesus makes us now in common with God's newness of life through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do we know this power that resides in us, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the power that not only raised Jesus, other tombs opened up that day. The Holy Spirit is reminding us that the old story has been trumped by his story. To our intimacy with him causes us to only reveal his divine nature, not our human nature. Quit saying that. We've got to quit saying, well, I'm just human. Are you kidding me? We have made what Jesus did at the cross is just a spectacle? No! Where did that gospel come in to where it watered down the power? No wonder why the enemy is just sitting back and going, look, I've done a great job of deceiving God's children. Listen, we get to live a life of being unoffended because we are clothed in who he is. Strength and dignity. And because of this, we can truly laugh with no fear of the future. In him, as Dan Moeller would say, we no longer have to reap what we sow. We get to reap what he sowed as his goodness leads us to transformation in Jesus Christ. And it's not to reap what he sowed so we can keep doing what we've always done. And so that we can finally be and do what he intended from long ago. Do you remember earlier when I was talking about people who wrong us it's because they have an identity crisis they don't know their value yet with his goodness through us his one touch maybe without us that leads them to see that he was never mad at them but mad about them he wasn't hurt by them he hurt for them. He wasn't disappointed in them, but waiting to anoint them to break the yoke of bondage and release them from the burden of sin and shame. He justifies. Do you know what that means? He makes what we wronged right. 
to live in Christ is to show off what he sowed upon the cross so we could live this newness of life, revealing the power of the resurrection. So on today's Flipping the Script Monday, let's stop living this life just with Christ when we feel like it or when we have to or when we feel obliged to. But now let's live as he intended. Christ in us and us in him. So intertwined that we don't know which one is which part of him is us and which part of us is him. So intertwined that the intimacy always brings us back to our identity so that we never have a crisis of who we are. That no matter what is done to us, we can't help but remember what was done for us. I want to say thank you again for joining me on Let's Talk with Teresa Ann, where I love to flip the script in this life. It's all about God's life-giving perspective. It's being able to overcome. It's recognizing the negative things of this world, yet getting to live a life that yet again overcomes evil with doing good. This is how we live a life worth talking about. I also want to thank you in advance for subscribing, sharing, liking, and commenting on my podcast and YouTube channel, as well as rating and reviewing Let's Talk with Teresa Ann via iTunes. Remember what this show is all about. Bold inspiration revealing God's goodness. And while you're at it, simply go to letstalkstudio.com.